This is All Things Considered with NPR. I'm joined tonight by Will Isaacson, Professor of Conflict Resolution from Cornell University. Professor Isaacson, violence in Cameroon has spiraled out of control as English-speaking and French-speaking ethnic groups clash with one another. What is your favorite diner restaurant? We're talking Denny's, we're talking Applebee's, we're talking family sit-downs. What would you like to go to? 100% 100% of Denny's. 100% of Denny's. Because those, more often than not, are connected to the hotels you stay in, and that's just convenient. Mm. And I'm Lakshmi Singh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're getting breaking reports that the violence in Cameroon is spiraling further out of control. Neighboring Angolan <laughs> troops have invaded the capital. They're sacking the Denny's. <laughs> the one Denny's in Cameroon. <laughs> the Denny's we brought to Cameroon as part of you know Denny's is an interesting pick. Denny's is no, an interesting Denny's is, pick. No, I stand by that. That our guest picked very well. Uh, well, wait. What, what's your Waffle House take? Waffle House, in my opinion, is sort of the the staple. You know, probably the most common response you get from our age group. So I agree what, with Lakshmi. Take? I, yeah. I think Waffle in House is more of an experience than a diner. So it kind of depends on what you're going for. Because Denny's, like, I'm going there for food. Waffle House, yeah. I'm going there mm-hmm. for Waffle House. Right. right. I think Waffle House yes. doesn't fit into any of the categories of, like, sit-down, uh, fast. Not even, like, I guess, what's the term for those restaurants? Like, family restaurants? A diner? Fast casual. It no, sounds fast like casual is shit like Mod Dino. Pizza, right? It sounds like a oh, diner right. is yeah, what you're right. talking about. Yeah, uh, diner. Yeah, maybe it is. Waffle it House is, is where you want to go <laughs> if you want to have a 50-50 chance of it getting, like, robbed, like, right after you leave. Because, like, I've been to a Waffle House that was robbed the same night. Dan's been to a Waffle House that was robbed the same night. <laughs> That's statistically um, unlikely. It, just, it yeah. to be clear, Waffle House it, right now. It got shot up, and is this the a West person Ashley died. <laughs> yes, it was actually. Like four. I have no. never heard. I've never heard of a Denny's getting shot up. We yeah. are so, having such a whimsical discussion about diners. Yeah, now there's death. It's time to actually pull the curtain back because this isn't all things considered at all. If you were fooled, <laughs> uh, <laughs> wait, what? That's not Lakshmi Singh. It's Belvin Olasov doing a perfect impression of and our Lakshmi guest Singh. is not getting I'm paid Belvin for his performance. Our, our guest <laughs> is not a teacher at Cornell University. He's not been recognized by the UN Human Rights Council. Uh, he is our friend of the pod, Will Isaacson, music producer and composer. Will, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Walter. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm sorry we had you participate in that little bit of deception uh, for the listeners' sake. Yeah, I'm a little upset. I thought this was all things considered. And <laughs> you, you, you led me here on a false pretense. I, I am actually Ira Glass, though. So. <laughs> yeah, and in a way, I'm glad you could make it. This is a thing being considered. It, it fits into yeah. the, the descriptor of all. We are one of all things. There will so. be several pretty... prompts that need to be considered, in fact. Uh, and Will, uh, we brought you on, obviously because Will's a friend of the pod, and he also does really good work making music, which is a part of world building that I think is kind of overlooked. So Will, could you talk a little bit about what you do and what you're excited about? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a freelance game composer primarily. Um, 
I've got my undergrad in music composition and then my master's in uh, music for film and video games. Um, so I spend a lot of time working with music in a narrative setting and sort of uh, creating it to further a uh, story in some fashion. Um, things I'm excited about, uh, pretty much all facets of game audio. I love everything about it, uh, mainly how interactive it is with the player um, and how it can give uh, very integral feedback into what is going on in the world you're a part of. Um, and I think that's really cool. That's awesome. It's really cool. Are you going to be creating a score for this episode? <laughs> is, is every beat of the world creation going to be <laughs> orchestrated? Well, uh, I actually asked Walter if I could do music for you all uh, maybe like a year ago. And that's he, uh, that, that, was a, that was a hard Walter, maybe. Walter, you idiot. It's like a great opportunity <laughs> for us. <laughs> we're, still, we're still open to that. Uh, I just, uh, I didn't want to like put stuff on your plate. And I was like, oh, well, like I would obviously have to like commission something from you, you know, and do that. And I was already commissioning like artwork for the pod. But no, no, no. We're totally open to that in the future. Sweet. And that's actually how Will, I was like, dude, I should put Will on the pod. I'm on the pod. Yeah, it, ha it fucking happened. And we did a and bit for, about For our new NPR. listeners, every, every new episode we get thousands of new listeners. Yeah, so what, what is this pod <laughs> that Will is upon? <laughs> this is 30-Minute Worlds. Uh, we're a podcast where we make a fantasy, sci-fi, or just out there setting within the time frame of about 30 minutes, excluding the, you know, standard seven minutes of riffs and bullshitting that we're allowed and right. is our right at the beginning of the episode. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And the 15 minutes of ad reads in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for my pillow. Especially that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the only sponsor. <laughs> this is what the labor movement was fought for. <laughs> uh, we are excited to have Will on and be the lore lad today. That means, Will, you're going to get creative control of the setting that we build. You get veto power. You get to say yes or no. You get to say, I think that element is too silly or uh, too serious for the setting we're building. And the four of us, we're going to lob prompts at you, and you're going to, with our help, build a world. Probably the most important power you have is that you can tell Walt no. Yeah, that's true. Um, no one, like else, no one else in his life can do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. His employer, his girlfriend, his yeah. girlfriend's mom. <laughs> Definitely not her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Mm. So, uh, Belvin, you got a prompt for Will here? Yeah. Driftwood. Driftwood. Okay. Jessman? Very Belvin prompt right out the yeah, gate. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Did I already do Bell? We've we never do... done Bell. All right. How about like, uh, yeah, Bell. Bell. Dan? The word is postage. Ooh, postage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my word is going to be Embassy. I see that little international Ooh. relations bit there at the start. Got Walt's brain. I guess really it going. did. I didn't think about <laughs> that, but that's probably where I pulled that from. Um, It'd be cool to have an embassy in a Denny's. We have Driftwood, we have Bell, we have Embassy, and we have Postage. All right. Okay. Well, right off the start, I feel like Postage should be a very uh, integral part of this society and the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, lots of communication, lots of trays. The transit of things from one place to another. What if, oh. yeah, uh, 
to tie driftwood, what if like in this world things you could throw them out to sea and they would magically go to where they're supposed to go as long as there was approved postage on it? Oh, like the entire sea works as a postal service? Or objects have a sense of where they're needed. Maybe there's a bell that rings and it goes to that certain bell. Oh, like a system of buoys hmm. out on the oh, sea? Yeah. yeah, like sort of like a, a system of just like, yeah, maybe not buoys, but uh, it, it, it tracks and locks onto a certain frequency of bell. Could be like ports of call have their own bells huh. that draw goods oh. to them from out to flotsam and jetsam and all those nautical things that I know the definition of. Uh. <laughs> huh. So you would have each port would have a different bell. Uh, and if that bell is, would you say, will the bells ring constantly to keep the uh, items flowing? That might be really annoying. But it, it would be. <laughs> <laughs> what if the bell is the postage stamp? Sort of equivalent. Like, yeah, that's sort of mm. what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Like it goes to that specific. If it resonates. Yeah, it matches the resonance oh. of a certain bell. So do you take what you're sending off and strike the bell next to it so it absorbs those vibrations? Is that how it works? Yeah, I don't know about that one. I don't. Yeah. Cause, I think because it have oh, to go. go it would have to go to a specific place because like what I'm sort of thinking is at birth, every person rather than like a social security number is issued a bell and they're all different so everyone has a unique bell and this oh. this uh this mail gets sent out to that specific bell frequency maybe ooh ooh okay okay so it's not so much shipping goods to a specific place as it is to specific people well it is to places too because people would need to people could be uh, on wavelengths like their bells uh, right. So or, it's not just a wavelength thing, right? Because you the you would you would never be able to it has to be more than just the wavelength. It's like something up else about the sound because like 440 and 439 like you can tell the difference a little bit, but like if you if you actually want people maybe it's there's like other stuff to magic. it like like when you ring a bell, there's like a timbre change and like... What if that's the embassy here? Is people that can interpret uh, these, the frequencies of these bells and then like direct them. Yeah, they all have perfect pitch. Or assign them to people, right? Because it's assumed you're not born with it, right? Someone gives it to you. Mm. Yeah, well, what could be interesting is if it's not like inherent fast of the universe, but at some point people discovered this, like someone built a bell tower that, that triggered this sea change hmm. in how uh, people can have things be attracted to them be identified what if the bells hmm. washed ashore we don't really know where they came from Ooh, ancient bells Off the driftwood. i, I kind of like this only working in water like on land it doesn't work but if you throw something in the water and ring the bell it'll come towards no matter the distance like towards its uh intended bearer right yeah well, wouldn't everything just lie on the shore then? Because not well, everyone's standing on the shore. Humans would settle on the shores if this were the case, right? It would direct huge amounts of people uh, to the coast. My, my main issue is if you have an entire civilization of people all trying to get postage, I feel like that's a cacophony going on underwater or in air for that matter. So there has to be some sort of way to 
have it streamlined so you're not having like 10 million bells ringing at one time. Mm. So that could be where the embassy comes in, right? They could control yeah. like the amount of, of bells that can go out into the this ocean at any given time to avoid everything drowning each other out. Um, mm-hmm. and maybe there are bell towers that have like the walls are just covered with bells. Well, yeah, you get to pay mm-hmm. to put your bell in a bell tower and it'll get guaranteed rung uh, for you, right, by the staff. And then you can stop and pick up your shit, even if you live <laughs> inland. So it's like pay to win? <laughs> or it's it's a service that's provided. Because if you live inland and you have a bell, it's of no, maybe it's been passed down to your family. It's of no use to you, right? Because you need to be on the coast. But you take it to one of these uh, lighthouses or like keeper houses. They'll keep it ringing for you. And then you can stop every so often and pick up your mail. What if um, I have like a mental image of, of like a buoy like dinging in a, a mist drenched sea. What if this is an ocean that you can't navigate with traditional like nautical practices to move goods across the ocean? You have to use this system of bells. The mm-hmm. lighthouses aren't there to actually put out light for sailors to find the shore. They draw in the goods for that specific like, place. I kind of like that. Yeah, I like that, too. Plus, yeah, uh, maybe this oh, is just really hostile to anything that doesn't have resonance, basically. Right. Mm. Yeah, that and yeah, if it doesn't like you don't you can't see the path ahead. Like there's just sort of a vapor that hangs over the sea. So you can't really you can't see where you're going. Mm. Virtually. You can't even see the stars to navigate. Virtually the only things that would actually the only vessels that would be on the sea would be ships that would go out just to check and see if the bells are working out like way far out there yeah, and they're right. not even sailing they could just have a large bell mounted on the ship that it basically homes it in where it's supposed yeah, to go yeah, yeah. it's you, like a big raft i, I just want to throw out we're talking about bells and resonance in the sea whales could factor in oh that's another <laughs> wait maybe they're like the postal that. service you just maybe uh, unbeknownst to us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Rather than like putting oh, everything on the back of a horse. I can see like yeah. the origin of the bells and being tied with ancient whales or something like that. A nature allegory? <laughs> From bell bells? bells? <laughs> Tying in animals to aesthetic. <laughs> it's a rational connection to make. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, I like I just like the idea. Someone brought up the mental image of like an ancient bell washing up on shore and that kind of being the origin of this. Mm-hmm. I just like that image. What if it's like the i don't know bone of a whale or something like whales in this setting have a bell bone penis bone that they like have like like struck look because the ear works like that right it is essentially a drum with a hammer um this is sort of like the opposite like a whale has a gigantic like bone cavity that they strike and it's a and it's their that's their bell and then that's what washes up on that's shore. cool that's cool if, if we harvest the bones of whales to make these bells and then like if you scrimshaw like a bone skeleton or bone like like whale bones you can make it create different frequencies because there's lots of little holes in it now it, like yeah, transmits yeah. sound you in a different way line it with different metals you can get it to make different sounds as it strikes i kind of so that's that could be the origin of it right is we figured out that whales were directing flotsam and jetsam in the setting yeah, and then it became clear that harvesting whales was uh, 
maybe maybe it became something that only like the elite in society had access to these actual whale bells. So people in the lower classes of society would find driftwood instead and sort of make them like make cheap ones out of driftwood. Little mm-hmm. driftwood chimes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, wooden chimes. That's yeah. cool because it could be like if if the driftwood and like is this flotsam and jetsam that's being manipulated and directed by the whales. It like if this is magical in nature, like it could affect the driftwood in some ways, like being exposed to that that music underwater mm-hmm. makes it more like receptive as like a tool for transmitting this. Since like wood isn't really the greatest for a bell's material, I guess. I like that uh, the best bells are gotten from whales. And as sea travel is diminished, uh, because more and more people are just shipping stuff uh, using the sea itself, we have less access to whales to hunt. And so that actually creates Mm -hmm. kind of an ecological problem for the survival of this setting. And more people are turning to driftwood, which would be causing problems, I would think, right? If the whale bells work really good, the whalebone bells do, and the driftwood chimes don't work as well. Well... I kind of want to take a step back real quick and just talk about like what the societies are, like what the civilizations yeah, yeah. basically are. Because I mean, if, if trade is super easy to facilitate on a pretty like micro scale, if like everyone can Amazon each other things, um, that would facilitate a lot of uh, just cultural communication and a lot of building and a lot of advancements. So I think that like all the civilizations would be fairly robustly advanced mm-hmm. just in terms of being able to exchange things. Well, there would be some yeah. exceptions. Uh, stuff that cannot float cannot be transported over the sea. Stone, uh, iron, stuff like that. The water can't mm-hmm. carry that, right? Well, well it, no, you it, can. It could. Well, I like Belvin's idea. It's not instantaneous communication, but it's incredibly reliable communication for a low-tech like society to suddenly have. That anyone can use, yeah. People can pass messages and discoveries and writing and music and anything to one another as long as they can write it down and put it in something that can travel across the water. And I would imagine there would be uh, a unique form of communication in general with the bells themselves, like similar to Morse code, you have a certain combination of bells that would mean one thing and uh, a different combination for other things. So I would imagine there's some sort of language within the bells that's sort of uh, just known between the civilizations so they can communicate with one another. That's yeah, I guess the embassies oh. would be in charge of making sure that's always what are, straight. What are these embassies? Because we've hit on a few ideas for them, and I think this ties into Belvin, you talking about the larger cultures of the world. Are they places the mail comes through? What what almost comes to mind is sort of like, I'm making a reference to something else, but like Dune, like the Spacers Guild, they they control like this aspect of everything, but they kind of keep themselves above like petty politics because they have a monopoly on, on the mail, basically, on the exchange of information in this like world. Like the, the Whalers Guild or something like that to that effect. Something like that. Uh-huh. That would be interesting, you know, in a low-tech society, you could have, with this level of communication, a very decentralized entity that doesn't necessarily hold land, but that is an entity in and of itself just by how easy it is for people to communicate with each other. You know, Will was talking about 
a sort of communication system using the bells, like a sort of language of the bells. I, it occurs to me, uh, there's, but there's the idea of like uh, sympathy and vibrations. Like if two bells, for instance, two things that vibrate, vibrate at the same frequency, they sort of vibrate together and they sort of match up. You could have two identical bells at different embassies. And that is a method of very, um, very low bandwidth, but instantaneous communication without the need of paper or anything. Yeah. And that would actually, yeah. it, that would also work, but because if you have that, well, there's two things that could happen because if you have two of the same exact waveforms, they're going to cancel each other out because of phasing. Um, but they could also just like, it could be an additive process. So like if they meet, it gets louder. So if you are sending a message and you hear that frequency just get louder, you know that the other person has like received it because they've connected. Ooh. That's tight. Huh. Ooh, that takes yeah. me back to physics class. Oh my gosh. It's cool to imagine like these, there's people that they study just years and years of their lives to be able to parse and like transmit these communications to one another. Mm -hmm. I think espionage would be really big. Yeah. Or fucking with people's bells using, if you find a bell that's the same frequency as like your enemy state, you can use it to cancel out their messages. If it's of the exact same frequency and you time it right, that's pretty cool. Phase cancel is espionage. Chessman, you look really excited. What is it? (laughs) Here's the thing. Oh, this is okay. So there's this problem in like encryption, right? Where like if you want to get in like a in our world, not in this weird bell world, they don't have encryption. Um, if you want to send a message from one place to another and be sure that no one else tampered with it, there's you have to do all of this, all these checks, and you have to do handshakes and all of that. But what this is doing is it's basically entangling two bells, right? If you vibrate one, it vibrates the other, and they sort of vibrate in sympathy. So you know, if you're an experienced bell ringer, you know how many bells this bell is ringing, like in sympathy. So if you feel that another bell is sort of introduced in that um, uh, dynamic, like is, it, it. it's ringing a second bell, right? Like there's, it's now a three bell system. You can sort of feel that and be like, oh no, something's wrong. Someone's been listening to our communications. You can sort of like get the drop on that, but like that takes an experienced bell ringer. Yeah, I so think counterintelligence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's. I would imagine it's pretty difficult to uh, make it so someone can't hear your bell because <laughs> these are obviously very yeah. loud things. So um, mm-hmm. maybe maybe the counter espionage is more of like nuances within the language. So if you're ringing a bell, there is, like if you if you're ringing an actual bell and you touch the bell, it will change. It will alter the tone and the pitch. So maybe if you're ringing a bell periodically, you bend the pitch. So if there's more than one bell, that bending of the pitch, you would be able to hear the like different waveforms sort of changing. Um, so it wouldn't be synchronous at that point. So if you bend the bell or something you could potentially hear different frequencies than you would if you were just ringing it single tone. Do you think, do you think people would be very hard wow. of hearing in this setting? 
the tinnitus. Oh my god! <laughs> well, I think people actually have really advanced hearing because yeah, they're describing like being able to pick up things. I think the um, bell and, ringers would have a sense of vibration, maybe. Uh, well, maybe in this setting, everyone does. I, I like maybe. the idea of everyone having more sensitivity. Yeah, I think at a certain way. point, the bell ringers just like go deaf <laughs> and are only doing it by touch. What if it's like the bell ringers? <laughs> when they're not working are constantly wearing hearing suppressants like oh, you know like pirates mm. would wear eye patches so they could like swap them over when they go below oh, decks yeah, and above yeah, decks yeah 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 like have the earmuffs on when you're going about your day-to-day -day life when you're doing your work that's the only time yeah. you really and tuned you have, in like, what you're doing because you're a bell ringer and you're like one of the highest status people in the society you have like your manservant like writing things down as they happen and like showing you the paper and you're like mm, yes <laughs> very good <laughs> you're like going around town in your robes and shit <laughs> 30 shipments of jade out of the east completely like deaf to the world yeah and yeah. maybe like they only take their muffs off for bell work and also like the the art that they consume is tailored to them yeah so it's like noise music maybe uh, but like you know, very soft, very fine, like pitches and like little scratches and, and stuff. And the common folk don't understand it. ASMR. <laughs> ASMR. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like maybe ASMR. <laughs> and because they're the <laughs> high echelon of society, a lot of the art just kind of filters down. So a lot of the art in this world is like variations of ASMR. <laughs> That'd be fun. Well, it's so funny. That and like bourgeois like binaural beats <laughs> bullshit yeah. it's just like it's just like this w these two tones that are close together just make your ear go woo. it's gonna come out great like on the recording oh, it's gonna yeah. sound so good no i'll just patch in some binaural beats i don't know and if you like asmr you can find belvin's youtube channel in the comments <laughs> that's right well i'm so, i'm sort of thinking welcome to his right baby I, th I feel like the general population of this society would have to sort of become desensitized to these bells to like car carry out daily life. So I feel like as far mm, as like yeah. everyone has a very acute sense of hearing, I think only the embassy of the bell ringers have an acute sense of hearing because and i yeah, think the, the rest embassy staff. Yeah, yeah. I think the rest mm, of yeah, society right. has like sense. they just tune the bells out because if they don't they'd probably go nuts yeah if we're not saying that like everyone is individually billing then yeah I think that, makes that sense. could be like your training from apprentice to journeyman to master is you start to like lose your ordinary sense of hearing and it becomes very sensitive and developed and then at the end you're constantly like uh i don't want to say muffed up but that's what came to mind so i'm saying <laughs> that like <laughs> you're you're deep in yeah. you're you're neck yeah. deep in muffed. <laughs> respect, you're muffed up let me tell you you're well, a guild master at that point it yeah. kind of becomes like necessary to be muffed up because if you're if your hearing is that acute, yeah, you know, it, you might like go crazy, like hearing all the other sounds. It's like George Costanza hand modeling. You know, you can't do anything to damage uh, the goods. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And it'd be like noise dampened environments that they sleep in, and yeah, yeah, like isolation chambers. Mm. The embassies—they're yeah, oh, yeah. kind of coastal. They're dotted around, let's say, like the vast sea or like inland sea or whatever you want to call it. It compromises a lot of this setting. Uh, they're kind of their own entities, but they're also kind of in a league, you could suppose, with one another. Because they have to, to kind of do their jobs effectively. Uh, would it be safe to say that these bells, they were once distributed amongst everyone, but the embassies are trying to kind of collect them to increase their own power? 
there's some advantages to having your bell, your family bell in an embassy. You can just drop by there and get it. Uh, you can get the stuff shipped to you over land. The embassy staff will do that. Uh, and the embassy gets to accumulate more bells and therefore more status and power, more control over shipping. The Amazon effect. Yeah, we, we could say that there is a bit of a progression to this world where mm -hmm. it used to be that there are a lot more folks who just like lived in coastal villages and had bell systems and things have just been centralizing and centralizing. You had like mm -hmm. a guy in your village whose job was just to do this, like to manage the messages or something. Right, huh. right. And then they unionized mm -hmm. and now we're all fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I see Bezos's anti-union propaganda is paying off, boys. Time for the <laughs> therapy, be, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Would there be a religion around the bells? Mm. What if the religion around the bells is their interests are not aligned with what the embassy of the bell ringers want to use them for? Like I don't think they are. No, yeah. They, if, if ringing of the bells is a sacred act, then you shouldn't be using it for commerce. For commerce and profit and mercantilism. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They they actually have. I'm sure they probably probably have churches or temples in. Uh, populated places but in order to like actually hear like the purity of the bell they would have to put them they they would have to either have to be very loud to drown out everyone else's <laughs> like acts of commerce or they would be up in like a very calm like serene <laughs> mountainous in the mountains Almost like a monastery right. in the middle of nowhere. I like that because okay. it divides us between two settings, kind of the a mountainous region where this religion might hold power and the coastal region where it's more mercantilist and commercial. Mm. Yeah, I like that too. Mm -hmm. And I, I think you could draw a tie between the bell. Like we earlier we were talking about the bells being rung underwater and I maybe maybe the monasteries or wherever like the religion is uh, holding these bell ceremonies. Um, yes, they are further out from society, but they're also like underground. So mm. uh, A, to further get away from society, but oh. B, like the underground like cavern or something would resonate the bell more and like um, heighten the spiritual experience. Yeah. Yeah. Like in yeah. sacred caves. Yeah. yeah. Meditation caverns. Yeah. They, they don't use their bells for commerce either. So it's, they have this huge stockpile of bells that are just for devotional use that the embassies are trying to get their hands on. Right? But they can't exactly find them because they're all in these underground caves, the location of which is protected knowledge. Mm. It. So in order to find in order to find them, they need people who who can think like a bell <laughs> have very acute hearing specifically for bells. So you've got like the journey of the like apostates go out and and try to find the um, not apostates. The uh, I guess they're not religious people that are bringing them for commerce. You got like two businessmen go out and try to find <laughs> um Two bell ringers go out with their manservants and and tr and try to find try to listen for like an underground uh, cave ringing uh, monastery. Hmm. So huh. what is is the ultimate goal for them to just get all the bells? What 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 is stopping them from just creating more? Like what what? Uh, well, 
I think there's a finite number of them, right? Maybe those are all. Maybe the religion has all of the ancient whale bells. And since mm-hmm. whales, or they've a lot some of, of those them. prized yeah. bells, yeah. the oldest and more that, like effective, yeah, that can't be replicated yeah. in modern society. Yeah, I mean, there could even be. Like, we're talking about frequency, which is you know like a, a universal property of the universe we live in. But maybe there's something else, um, something more ephemeral that you find in these like ancient whale bells, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, because they were made of a living creature, they resonate in like a in like the spirit world or something this, that, this so is power. fucked up but what if they tried recreating whale bells but or like the embassies did but it's hard to get whales anymore right they're all at sea and we kind of mm-hmm. decommissioned all of our ships so what if we mm-hmm. tried uh other living creatures you know oh, <laughs> oh. oh like, there, there, there's like one there, there's one bellmaster who is doing the most fucked up experiments with all kinds of skeletons. Yeah, <laughs> like grinding up bones and pressing them into bells. Yeah, like this setting needed <laughs> necromancy. Necromancy. Necro bell. Maybe that's like if one specific uh, sect of embassies. Uh, yeah, the embassy is yeah. on the swamplands. Well, maybe there's like a general embassy and then there's like a shadow government within the embassy. So not Hell even yes. everyone within the embassy knows what really goes on like at the upper right. levels. Oh, yeah. Not even if you're a guild master because you still answer to like, even if you're a guild master of one embassy, you answer to like the council or whatever, whoever runs the guild, which in an age of instant communication makes this like a really tenuous and nebulous uh great for spy uh shit oh yeah lots of shenanigans but you you said the swamp and i had this mental image of like a guy stumbling across like a like a tyrannosaurus rex like skull in like the <laughs> the mud and be like yeah we can work with this <laughs> this will be all right <laughs> he takes like a baton out of his pocket smacks it on the head it like knocks him down <laughs> oh it's the like resonance. a roar hell yeah <laughs> <laughs> I love how there's still a dinosaur skull just sitting in the mud. Like, yeah, nature <laughs> like fucked it's like up. It didn't do its job. So those work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, this is actually set on Earth eight thousand right? years from now. So <laughs> this is a Planet of the Apes type situation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the tweet. Yeah. This is set on Earth five thousand years ago. It doesn't have to be a dinosaur. It could be a dragon or whatever. Wait, how long have we been doing this? Can we just make this shitty ending twist? <laughs> oh no. We cannot do a shitty ending twist. <laughs> or what if it was like a, it could be like an ancient sea that's dried up because that's what real swamps are, right? And there are like there could be other like ancient whales or sea monsters and shit. Yeah, megalodon-y yeah. kind of, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. whole setting could be like an huge, it was all underwater at one point and then it shrank to the inland sea we have now. Right, which would make sense why in the mountains they have access. They didn't have to like drag mm-hmm. it from the current oceans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Pretty that's smart, cool. Belvin. Pretty this smart. Is a- this is a very 80s metal cover, uh, or maybe more of a prog rock cover. You always this, say yeah, that? What's your concept? The last one the was world. like a big like drum like uh, siege tower setting, so like, I don't know. We've been on a roll lately with that. We've been on a roll with sounds lately. <laughs> yeah, well, we jumped the gun by doing one before we had a musician on. Yeah, Sam, <laughs> you would have loved... Yeah, well, uh, this time we fixed it. <laughs> Pyramid Scream was the name of the episode. Ooh. It's a great band name. Damn. Yeah, it is actually is pretty. We're running up on time here. 
Do any of you guys have anything you want to add to kind of round out the setting we've built? Well, I'll just say that my favorite stuff is the like Byzantine backstabby political court nature of all Same. these embassies and these bellmasters. And also like the, these vague hints of some sort of like whale-based intelligence, ancient <laughs> spirit realm <laughs> stuff that's just on the fringes. <laughs> yeah. I like that too. Yeah, the whales had first contact with uh, higher powers before humans were even around. What if the whales are higher powers? Oh my god. <laughs> Well, well now they are because they had contact, first contact oh, yeah. and they whales. got 2001. <laughs> it's like it's like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, how all the dolphins leave. Yeah. <laughs> the whales are just leaving oh. to join the spirit realm. That the lad has spoken. Oh, my God. I think that's it. Okay, next, next episode, can we do the spirit realm of whales? <laughs> the, <laughs> we're not allowed to. We're not allowed to transfer between episodes. No wants to be. No, we're like Final Fantasy. <laughs> One day we'll just decide to do a sequel that's in the same yeah, universe. With, <laughs> without Belvin's knowledge, it'll miss the episode. Belvin, you want to be David Attenborough so bad, don't you? Oh my god. I want to be Psychonaut David Attenborough. Guys, this has been a great episode. Uh, Will, thanks for coming on. Of course. Thank you for having me. This was a blast. We're going to plug Will's stuff in the description for the episode. I've listened to some of the music that Will writes uh, for some of his games. And it's really nice, uh, really soothing stuff. Uh, we're also going to roll for the next lore lad, uh, which I will do right now. It's a four. That's Belvin. Uh, hey. Belvin, you're the next lore lad. Wowza. Well, I, I hope all of our listeners enjoyed the, the full orchestration that we'll put together for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Will, um, it costs a lot of money. I don't know how he got the New York Philharmonic, uh, but... Uh, just I pulled some strings. All the music cues for each idea we had. Yeah. Um, it's a really new innovation in the podcast form. The shifts in tone, like Will was talking about. Uh, I, I'll go even yeah. further. I'll say, listeners, if you don't hear music accompanying uh, this episode, yeah. assume that the creative relationship between Will and the podcast has soured <laughs> and that we've all had a professional falling right. out. Uh, <laughs> professional that's the only way you wouldn't hear it mm -hmm. either that or we got sued into the ground by toby fox so um oh man another friend of the pod be fine. Yep, yep well and uh yeah i'm i'm also just gonna send you whale song as the soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> and i'll charge i'll charge you full price <laughs> <Hold> <laughs> Well, this is a lot it's a lot more avant-garde than the rest of Will's stuff I mean <laughs> well folks it's bold yes. to only use whale sounds and bell noises as the sound on this entire album it's <laughs> 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 two hours long <laughs> I want to score this this episode now you, you Don't, infected we my have brain. to stop him we have to stop him before he commits to doing anything that's not editing because he'll never do it that's our show we're calling it there shit right if you like this episode, you can subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice to get new episodes every Saturday. If you want to, go ahead and write us a review on iTunes and share us with anyone who likes world building. It helps us out a ton. Our art is courtesy of the talented and wonderful Shell Tor at Jovial Paradox on Twitter. You can tweet at us too at Lorelads or send us spirited hate mail at 30minuteworlds at gmail.com. And Will, do you have a Twitter you'd like to plug? Uh, yes, I don't very often use it. Um... But I think it's uh, Isaacson Audio is my Twitter. Isaacson Audio. Um, and nice, nice. Yeah. It's, You'll it's, doubtlessly get thousands <laughs> upon thousands of people. Yeah, uh, just, uh, <laughs> just give me a ring. Yeah.
Any uh, bell puns? Bye. Anyway, okay, bye. Insert, bye. insert uproarious laughter. And happy world. <laughs> <laughs>